0: Okay, it's wonderful to uh, be together in uh, worship, and we're going to be uh, sharing from Daniel 4, as you know. But um, before we do that, I wanted to show you a picture. And as we set the scene for Daniel chapter 4 and how God's at work in our world, I wanted to just uh, ask your opinion about what it is that you think is the overarching theme of these pictures Here's a picture of, um, if I was to give you this picture, and then this picture, and then this picture, what would you say is the overarching theme there? Power, Power, American politics. What is it about these people that sort of was one of the striking things about their uh, their run or their... world of politics, sorry, leadership, very different, yeah, what was momentous about this presidency, first African American, what would have been the first, uh, what would have been uh, if the run for presidency if this person had been elected, first woman, what's surprising about this president, People starting to get twitchy. It's great change, wasn't it? This was a very surprising presidency that no one expected. And whatever you think of... And we're not going there, believe me. Whatever you think of this, there's great change at foot, is there not, in American politics? Our world is in the place of great change, and Australia is not immune from that, I think it's fair to say. If I was to give you some other pictures... You tell me what the overarching theme of these pictures is. Notice they went in a certain order. Yeah, yeah, the knives are out. How surprising when you ask the question, how many of these people have won an election in their own right? The answer is all of them, except for Scott Morrison. But look at the change and the surprising nature of that change, never un- in Australian history, unprecedented, perhaps in the world, this many leaders. And I thought it was quite funny. When Angela Merkel uh, met Scott Morrison at the last World Summit, she l- looks at Scott, who's put in front of her in a chair, and she goes to her sheet in front, like, what is the name of this person? She's like, I just better get this right. Because he sort of looks a little bit like that guy with the same tie. Um, especially if they wore glasses, but she's like, something does not compute. So you can see that we live in a world of great change in Australia and in the world. We see this great change and it's it's sometimes hard and confusing for us as God's people to experience change. We have change in our church that's coming. We have uh, uh, two pastors moving on in a changing world. Leaders who, like Daniel, have led us in that changing world. And uh, one of the words that uh, describes Daniel for me, if you search Daniel for descriptive words of Daniel, it's the word highly esteemed. Just type in Daniel highly esteemed, you'll come up with a verse in Daniel. Daniel, as heaven looks at Daniel, he says, you are highly esteemed. Jesus said the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist, who was the greatest of that time, the Old Testament. So John the Baptist was greater than Daniel. Daniel was highly esteemed. We, the least in the kingdom of God, are more esteemed than Daniel. Doesn't that encourage you? And when I think of our leaders, when I think of um, Aaron and Brad moving on, I think of leaders who are highly esteemed. I think of God at work. How do we, moving into our changing world like our part? pastors partner with God in a changing world because this is what Daniel 4 is about. The book of Daniel talks about God at work in our universe in a way that shows his great strength and his great power and his great authority and his sovereign, His sort of guiding of his people uh, you, in the midst of a very strange situation for God's people. And in Daniel 4, we see how God partners with us this is a very famous photo from the Sistine Chapel of God reaching down and touching uh, the finger of man. There's this sense that God is at work. How can we God partner with us? Because let's be frank, we live in a very uh, in a world that is often uh, against God or disinterested in God. Um, we live in uh, as people in in our nations and our workplaces. These places are sometimes spiritual, but they're not always for the spirituality of Jesus. Uh, Our workplaces and our world can be proud of themselves like the kings of old. They feel they don't need God. And into this, God is at work to reveal himself. God is at work to reveal himself in a way that uses us. Uh, And he partners with us. And he partners with us for his victory. He doesn't just do this work himself. He doesn't say to us, I want you to just do this work yourself. It's God and us together. And that is God's plan. God uses us because we are highly esteemed. And we know this to be true in our lives. If you have ever been in a workplace, um, how often have you been in a workplace or a family situation where every spirituality gets an opinion on a moral issue? It might be uh, euthanasia or it might be uh, same-sex marriage. It might be the the nature of... uh, Uh, Politics in our world, uh, the only ones who no one really wants to listen to is the Christian. It seems like everybody else gets an opinion. Other spiritual alleys can speak politically, but not Christians. Um, If you type in January the 13th last year... Oh, this year, January the 13th, and type in Christians, Evangelicals, and Cancer into your uh, Google search, you'll discover that just on the 13th of January this year, when describing West Australian Liberal Party, a federal member described the influence of Christians within the Liberal Party of Western Australia as a Cancer. Pentecostals in the north, Baptists in the south, we've got a Guernsey. We are a cancer to the Liberal Party. Imagine saying that about Muslims or Buddhists or Baha'i. I think there'd be something to be said about that. In our, but it just slid on out of his tongue, was reported faithfully. Everybody was happy about it. This is the world we live in. So how do we partner with God in the midst of change? How do you and I, as Daniels in our world, it's like that old kid song, dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. God looks down at your life and my life, and we are highly esteemed. He's not disinterested in our world. We are world changers in our world. And you might be surprised how God is doing it. And Daniel chapter 4 gives us a terrific insight in this book. And if you know Daniel as a book, chapter 1 is written in Hebrew, and chapter 2, right through to chapter 6, sorry, 7, six chapters is written in the language of Daniel's day. You know, Aramaic, sort of a, a language that... Uh, went right across the Middle East. And then chapters 8 through to 12 is written in Hebrew again. So right in the middle of Daniel, we've got this embedded work of God in the language of the day, using God's people at work. And so we learn a lot about how God um, can do his work. And we learn a few things, and uh, I'm a Baptist pastor. I hope you don't think it's a cancer, but there's three points, okay, so... Uh, you can do a dozen points in any passage with 12 sub-points, but this is a, a family affair, so um, <clears throat> we'll do three points. So we learn three things. The, it, there is a natural movement of the passage with three. Uh, and the first thing we learn is this, that God partners with us by using breakthrough events that the world accepts as real. And if you get to Daniel 4, I'm not going to put it up because it's a big chapter, I'm just going to read it that Nebuchadnezzar is the writer of this passage. It's the only chapter in the whole Bible where a person who's not one of God's people is the writer. Nebuchadnezzar gets a chapter in the Bible. He wrote this chapter as his testimony of how God is at work in his life using Daniel and God shows himself to be true and pure and holy and guiding and in charge of everything. So this is Nebuchadnezzar speaking. He's the one who's testifying to the greatness of God. And this is what he says. To the nations and people of every language who live on all the earth. He's the big honcho in the world at the time. The Babylonian kingdom was the place. So he's speaking to the whole world. May you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High has performed for me. Not through me, but for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So King Nebuchadnezzar has a terrifying dream. And he is pleased to tell the power of this most high God, the God that has performed for him things that have proved to him how great God is. And so we find in this passage that God partners with us by using breakthrough events that the world accepts as real. And for that time and that place, the kings of the earth were considered the the channels or the conduits, uh, the channels of the gods they had arisen to their place of kingship through the power of the gods, so to speak, that controlled the world, and they had the right to rule because the gods had ordained it. They were the centerpiece of the world, the kings, and they were the way God spoke to them. And one of the ways the gods spoke to them was through signs and dreams. And so Nebuchadnezzar, as the great you know, channel between us and God, and even some societies have this view even today, He's the privileged one. He's the conjured. He's the master. And he has a dream that disturbs him. And this dream is real to him. It's as real as DNA to you and I. It's as real as gravity. I think I might have asked this question before. Uh, Are antibiotics real? If you get the right antibiotics at the right time for the right thing, will they work even if you don't believe in them? Yes or no? Why? Why? Why aren't they based on your belief that they'll work? Because they're real. Is gravity real, whether you believe in it or not? If you jump off the building, will you hit ground at 9.8 metres per second, whether you believe in it or not? You will, because it's real. For Nebuchadnezzar, this dream is real. It's as real as DNA. It's as real as antibiotics. It's as real as as um, gravity. It's not some philosophy that might be right for someone else, right for me. You know how you have those discussions? This is real. So God speaks to Nebuchadnezzar in a way that is real and dreams were the way they did it. And the holy God's connected to the earth through this dream. And how does God reveal himself to Nebuchadnezzar? He disturbs him in his dream. And Nebuchadnezzar is coming to a point where he realizes, I can't understand this dream. I'm not the master of that interpretation. Even though I'm the holy conduit of God, I need someone outside of me and Daniel 1, Daniel 2, Daniel 3 explore that a bit. Daniel 4, this is him talking. This is very powerful words. And so I want to encourage us to know that in your workplace, in your life, in your family, in your world, God is at work revealing himself to people around you in a way that he knows they'll experience as real. And we should pray for that. I had an interesting conversation with someone recently in one of the spheres of the world I live in, Um, and I won't say too much, but this person did not believe in God and we were talking about the nature of God and truth and that. And in the end, I said to him, what would God have to do for you in a way that would prove to you his existence in a way you would understand? What would he have to do? Fair dinkum. And if he did this, that you would believe in him. That was a question this person had not thought about. And I didn't put any pressure on him. I said, yeah, but if God is real and nothing's impossible for him, how, how about that? What would God have to do? And he's revealed himself in his word, through his son, through his church, through his spirit. I get that. But what would God have to do for you? And I encourage that person to have a think about that, and we'll talk further. God is in the business of revealing himself to people. And sometimes God does it in strange ways. Sometimes he does it um, through dreams. This is a book written by a Christian author, Hearing God in Your Dreams, and I read the foreword and I read the introduction and a couple of passages just to see if it was on the same page. Would I recommend this book? I wouldn't want to send you in the right wrong direction, but regardless of what you might think of the book, it seemed okay to me. I didn't seem sort of way out there, sort of a bad book, but the world is asking that question. Maybe God's revealing himself to me through dreams. People are interested in dreams. I had someone close to me and my family ring me up the other day and said, hey, uh, sorry, they texted me and said, hey Neil, I dreamed that you'd, you'd started to follow Judaism and it took two months, to two years to become a Jew. I said, oh look, that could never happen because Jesus is the fulfillment of Judaism, all right? And um, I'm, I I don't need to follow Judaism because it's been fulfilled in Jesus. So that was an interesting conversation. But they had a dream about that, and now we're talking about it. So that's interesting. Uh, People sometimes think that God appears in different ways. Some people think that God might appear if this happens to them. But generally speaking, I've never had a person say they know that God has come into their life because of this. Maybe 12 months later, they think this might have ruined my life. Generally, that's happened if you look at the research on big winds and lotto. But sometimes things happen that make people think about God and His control of the world. Sometimes it's difficult things like the floods in Townsville. People ask the question, How could God allow this? Uh, or they see God in it because they see people at work. And they think God's at work in the hearts of people who serve without any benefit to themselves. Sometimes there's, uh, there's a lot of tragedy in Townsville. But sometimes there's uh, a great win, like the boys who were caught in the, in the cave in Thailand and were saved. God's at work. God's at work. And in this situation, um, God partners with us Because Nebuchadnezzar, in the midst of this, is drawn to Daniel. And it says here, I was in my bed, so I commanded all the wise men of Babylon be brought to me to interpret the dream, but they couldn't do it. Finally, Daniel came to me. He's called Belteshazzar, after the name of my God. And then he says, And the spirit of the holy gods is in him. This is Nebuchadnezzar saying that Belteshazzar, or Daniel, The spirit of the holy gods is in him. Now, from uh, oh, you think, why didn't he ask him first? I mean, he's done it before. Why don't you just get him the second time, you know, first time? Uh, But there's something going on there that we're not really sure of. Maybe he wanted all his second strings to have a crack, see if they could do it. Then they all follow. Daniel follows another god, see if they could do it. Let's go to the go-to guy. I know we'll get it done. Uh, But I want to give these boys a chance. Something like that, maybe. I don't know. Uh, No one's really sure. But Daniel is drawn to to Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar is drawn to him because the spirit of the holy God's in you and these people haven't done it. And that's the question we need to ask. How is God at work in me? I've seen God at work in many people. There's God at work in people here today, every one of you. God is at work in you. And if we allow God to work in us and be who we are, not someone else, we allow God to be fully in us and make us all we're meant to be, people will, like Nebuchadnezzar, be drawn to that thing in us. And I see this in my current work. Um, A very senior uh, person in my work, God is at work in them. And people go to this person for advice and they make good choices because God is at work. And that others are drawn to this person They don't know why, they don't know how. They see good decisions being made, wise decisions in difficulty like Daniel. And I want to encourage you and I to say that God is at work in you if you let him. To say, God, here's my spirit, broken as it is, wounded, I recognize it, I'm frail, I'm fragile, but I'm going to allow you to do the healing you want to make me who you want me to be. And then I'm going to give that to others. And I'm going to pray that you will reveal yourself in a way they understand. So don't ever, uh, for us today, be encouraged, don't ever underestimate the power of God. And we should pray that God will reveal himself to those in our influence in a way they can understand. So they, their heads go up one day and go, I can't explain this. I need somebody to explain what's happening to me. And I know this person. And they're drawn to us. We can be a Daniel. God partners with us. That's the first thing. The second thing we learn here is that God reveals himself to us by using the spiritual gifts and love of his children. God uses Daniel. And Daniel is brought to Belteshazzar. And Daniel explains to Belteshazzar, sorry, explains to Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel as Belteshazzar, you get mixed up. He says, this is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, Daniel, please tell me what it means. For none of the wise men of my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can because the spirit of the holy gods lies in you. And so Daniel tells him the dream. But the first thing that Daniel says is this. So tell me what it means. None of the kingdom can interpret it, but you can, because of the spirit of the holy God. And Daniel says this, My Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. Daniel's about to give him some advice that's not good at interpretation. It's not a happy moment for Nebuchadnezzar. But King Nebuchadnezzar is willing to hear it. And he's saying, look, don't worry about it. And then Daniel says this, Because he's about to give him bad news. But God is using the spiritual gifts of Daniel because the Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 1 that God gave Daniel the ability to interpret dreams. God has given you and I our wisdom. He's given your skills, your strengths. He's allowed weaknesses to come into our life. Like the Apostle Paul says, I've got weaknesses, I've got brokenness. But God's grace is sufficient for me in those and my strength, says God, is found in your weaknesses. But he's given us abilities Daniel had these abilities to interpret dreams, highly esteemed. You and I have strengths and gifts. And the Bible in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians and uh, 1 Timothy and Book of Romans, uh, names some of these gifts. Some of them mightn't seem like great things to the world out there. But to God, they are gifts that he gives to his highly esteemed children. Gifts like helps, hospitality, encouragement teaching. I mean, we often think about the big gifts like evangelism and prophecy and apostleship and um, teaching, pastors, but helps. Hospitality. A word of encouragement. These are the gifts that God gives to those he esteems. And we can use those to encourage people. God uses our spiritual gifts. He uses Daniel's spiritual gifts. uh, And he uses ours. And he uses our Loving care and our spiritual gifts for those that we serve. Even those who are broken in the world and God-haters who don't follow our God. Evil people. Because remember, the Babylonian kingdom was responsible for a lot of death up in that time. They didn't follow Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament. They committed carnage wherever they went. Lots of people died in the, the gathering of their kingdom. And Daniel is seeking to the, the good of his Lord. My Lord, if only the dream applies to your enemies and its meaning to your adversities. And at the end, he says the dream, and then he says this to them in chapter 4. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right, your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It, oppressed, it may be then that your prosperity will continue. Daniel wants the best for this person. And one of the greatest things that we can ever do for the people around us, and my children are sick of me saying this, and so is my wife a bit, uh, that... One of our greatest influences is to ensure the success of others and assure those that we serve, whatever circumstances. You will always know how to act. You will always know how to speak. You will always know how to take initiative. You will always be a good team player. Can you imagine any boss in the world not wanting to esteem someone who worked in their team who wants to ensure the success of the boss? Can you ever imagine that? Even if it's an evil person, it's difficult and harsh and, you know... If we're there to ensure their success, you get the best out of the situation. Imagine leading people and you say as a leader, I'm here to ensure your success. I'm looking forward to the day when you become so proficient at what you do that you are my boss and then I'll ensure your success. Can you imagine any worker who wouldn't want a boss like that? Have you got a boss like that? Has your boss sat down and said to you, look, I know I'm your boss, but I'm really here to ensure your success. Whatever you need from me to ensure your success at work, you just come to me, I'll do whatever it takes. Anyone got a boss like that? I haven't got many hands up. Are you a worker like that? Are you a father, a mother, a sibling like that? This is Daniel. Daniel making commitments to his boss, who was a could have been you know, the king of a vast empire. And sometimes we see this in our society. We see... Manor Ministries in Perth, doing good to those in need. Notice Daniel said, give up, renounce your sins and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. We see Manor Ministry at work here in Perth in World Square. We see Toddler Jam here in the Bentley community. There's a shout out to Claire. She, that's on Google, right? I just Googled images, Toddly, Toddler Jam Bentley. There you go, boom, it comes up, right? Working in the community. With our age, whatever we do, wherever we go, we've got people in our church who do this faithfully every week. We're ensuring the success of those that we serve. And as we do this, we bring God to them. He uses us. He uses our spiritual gifts. And Daniel does two things. He offers grace to this man who is the leader of a great godless kingdom and he ensures his success, but he's very truthful to him. He says, this is what's going down. I wish it wasn't going to happen. And this is what you have to do to stop it. Renounce your sins by doing what's right and renounce your wickedness. This is the great king. This is bad advice for the boss. Not bad advice. It's, It's very frank and fearless advice, as they say in the army. And one of the things I've appreciated about working in the military is they have this attitude that when you give advice to your superior, you, from your seat, you tell them, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Don't try to gild the lily, as my mum and dad used to say. You just say it, and then they take it. It's owned by them after that. They choose to make their decision however they make it. But you are doing no one a favour by not telling them the truth. But if you're a person who's ensuring the success of your those you serve, do you think they're going to be much more willing to hear that? I think they would, and this is what Daniel does. So we, the, the outcome of our life in this, in the first point, is that we need to understand that we need to trust God is in charge of our lives and the lives of those around us, whether they be unbelievers or believers, and no matter what we serve and no matter what's happening in our life, God's in charge. That's the first point. The second point is, application point, is we need to act for God's glory And be pure. Daniel is an esteemed man. But thirdly, we need to work for the success of those that we serve, even evil people. Now, this does not mean we, we allow the Nazis to take Jews to the gas chambers. If people are in the act of evil, then we might not be able to be involved. And someone said to me recently, Padre, what would it take for you to say, here's my resignation from this workplace? What moral issue? You go, I can't do it if you want my resignation. Sometimes there's those moments. But apart from that, we should be seeking the good. And this is what Daniel... And this is the teaching of Jesus as well. Jesus encouraged us to be involved in the lives of those around us, to be salt and light in every endeavour of our lives. Jesus himself came in grace. In 1 John 14, John 1, 14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, full of grace and truth. And I love those two words. Full of grace, undeserved love to unmerited people. And you and I are those people. And then out of that, he gives that through us to the world. And so Daniel gives us advice. And we need to speak truth. Daniel is very truthful and we can be truthful to those that we serve as we're serving the success. We can be truthful to them. And the third thing we learn here is this. Oh, yeah, so you can do this in your workplace. And I just threw up a few things there. There's schools, there's medical, there's, I'm blind as a bat these days, there's administration, there's, you know, anything in Perth, wherever you serve, school, work, sport, family, we can bring our gifts and our grace and our truth the truth of God, the grace of God through us. We can be world changers. Happened to Daniel, happens to us. And the third thing we learn here is in this divine partnership, we learn that God partners to us by proving his power to the world. After it was all said and done and the dream and the vision came true, Nebuchadnezzar said this. He said, now I... Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven, because everything he does is right and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Isn't that an interesting statement from the King of the World? He recognises that above all the universe, above all the kings of kings and the spirits and the gods who control the world through the kings of the world, this is his worldview, there is another God who's in charge of that. He hasn't come to a conversion experience where he senses that Daniel's God is the only God. He still thinks about gods, but he recognizes that, and that's what Daniel's all about. Nebuchadnezzar is humbled. Nebuchadnezzar is restored, and then Nebuchadnezzar praises God, and God is the one he praises. God is at work today, and we need to pray for our leaders and our enemies. We need to love them. And that's why the Bible says, And when I showed you this picture, you may be surprised, but God is at work in the lives of these people. Three of these people, two of these people, three of these, two, three. One, two, and three have a declared spirituality, and that spirituality is Christianity. They've declared it. And we need to be praying for them. That's why the Bible says, pray for your leaders. Be involved. Pray that God will grant them grace and truth to guide and pray for their needs. And it says that about evil leaders. Whether they have a declared spirituality or no no declared spirituality or another spirituality. God is the master of all spiritualities and he's using that exchange to bring people to a living experience. There will be no excuse when we stand before God in judgment. But God does it his way and he uses you and I. And he uses you and I through partnering with us. And he partners with us. He partners with us by breakthrough events, by using their worldview their worldview the way they see reality he says okay i'm going to speak to that reality and then they're going to be drawn to those who love me and they're going to use their spiritual gifts and they're going to use their grace and truth and that person's going to come to a point where they praise me and understand that i'm involved and we need to pray for that so in our world of great change i want to encourage each one of us to never forget that god is involved that God uses us as his children. We are world changers. Oh, my goodness. When we think of that, and I would encourage you to pray earnestly for those around you because nothing is really birthed in this world except through prayer. I'm a believer of that, if you want me to show my hand. I think that, and I'm guilty of not taking it seriously enough. But as we pray... The heavens open and God is pleased to turn his ear to hear those requests and pleased to act because our heart, the spirit in us, is the same spirit that beats in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We are connected. We are partakers, Peter says, partakers of the divine nature. doesn't mean we become God, but God has is like in a circle, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and they open up. Remember when you were little kids? I still remember in grade one and two. Kids standing in a circle doing the little skippy thing and they'd stop and they'd open up and you'd join them. Didn't you feel included? Didn't you feel included? God's done that to us. He's opened up and we've joined and we're skipping with God. God says that. We have joined and partakers of that. And it's that that we come to prayer. The heartbeat of our prayers and our desires for the world If we let God be in charge, we'll be his heartbeat and he will use us. So be encouraged. I invite us to pray now that we might give our hearts to this. Let's bow and pray. Now, Father God, we bow before you as your children and we just give you thanks for all that you are. We can hardly imagine our universe where you would delight in revealing yourself to us through your son Jesus, through your spirit, through your word, through your people. But we we are blessed with that. And so we pray, our Father, that we will open our spirits today to allow you to guide us. We ask that you might do that in the lives of all those that we know and influence, that you will draw in your good pleasure, you will draw them to you to reveal your love and that you might use us, that they will draw us to them and then we'll have the opportunity to bless them with grace and truth to reveal some of all that you are to them. We pray that they might know you. And we're thankful for the vision of Daniel and the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar, this this, um, powerful king who tells the world that even a person who's not a follower of you can sense that, and that's his testimony. And so we pray this in our time now, in our world of great change, Uh, And as we face uh, great change, we face it in the knowledge of a a changeless and loving God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.